You're listening to Weekly Devotions with Pastor James, a podcast devoted to helping you with your walk with Jesus. We do this by looking at the scriptures through devotions and messages every week. If you'd like to get more information, you can visit our website at guardingthewell.com. Once again, that's guardingthewell.com. And you can connect with us there via email, check out the bookstore, uh, get a couple books that uh, I have written. Uh, One is called uh, A Father's Love, Where is God in the Storms of Life? And that details... Uh, It's just my walk with uh, the Lord and that question of why when uh, my son was diagnosed with what he has and then another book which uh, spurred all of this called Guarding the Well, which comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And that is why we do all of this. And we also have a blog over there as well, if you'd like to uh, pick that up. This week, uh, I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks the messages that I've been on. Uh, preaching uh, at my church going through uh, the book of 2 Timothy. And the reason I'm doing that is over the last couple years and roughly 80 episodes or so of this podcast, I haven't shared many of my uh, sermons. They've been mostly uh, devotions that, uh, you know, the Lord has laid on my heart. But over the last couple weeks going through uh, 2 Timothy, uh, the thing is that Paul was talking to Timothy and talking to people in uh, my church. It's been resonating. And so uh, I've been sharing these on here uh, over the last few weeks. And this week, once again, is another episode of that message that I preached recently at my church. And so uh, hopefully it is a blessing to you. And uh, if you don't mind, hit that like button, subscribe, share this with your friends. Let us know uh, if these are being a blessing to you. You could leave a comment there. Uh, Connect with us over at GardeningTheWell.com, and uh, we would love to hear from you. And so with that said, uh, you take care and have a great day. Uh, Take your Bibles and open up to uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, We're still in chapter 1. We're going to be finishing that out this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, verses 13 through 18. And as uh, you're opening up there, I'm going to read these passages to you. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 13 through 18. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says to Timothy, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia had deserted me, including Phlegius and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Ornisiphus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. With that, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to focus upon you this morning. I pray that you would calm our hearts. I pray that you would calm our minds. That Holy Spirit, that you would work within us. That you would strengthen us. That you would encourage us. That you would spur us on to good deeds. I pray that you'd speak through me and use me in any way that you may seem fit. We give this to you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's really good to you. This doesn't happen often. This is my OCD. I'm sorry. This isn't in the notes. 
Uh, you all are very well balanced today. I, I thank you very much of it. Both sides of the church are very balanced. Uh, I appreciate that very, very much. It helps with my OCD. Uh, but I, I hope you're doing well. I pray that you're doing well. Uh, we're going to get going this morning. Years ago, uh, before the church purchased the house next door, uh, there was an older lady that lived in uh, the house. At least I thought there was an older lady that lived in the house because we would never see any lights on. Uh, like every time, because uh, if you don't know, it's the house over there that I'm talking about. Uh, and we lived here. There was never any lights on. You'd see every once in a while a glimmer of light coming through the one window. And I'm like, does anybody live over there? Right? It's just one of those things. And then every once in a while she'd come out in the yard. Uh, she'd do work on the tomato plants and everything along those lines. And I would talk to her when she was out in the yard, asking her how she was doing and everything along those lines. And then it got to the point where I started shoveling her sidewalks. Uh, because she was by herself. She was in their 80s at the time. And so I started shoveling her sidewalks. I was already doing it. I was already there. And just so you know, Plymouth has the widest sidewalks in the state, right? I'm just throwing that out there for you, right? If you think I'm kidding, notice when you leave the building, notice how you can park a car on our sidewalks. I'm not kidding. We've had a minivan on the sidewalk in front of our church. That's how wide our sidewalks are, right? right? That's a different story, right? And so I would shovel her sidewalks. And then, you know, during the summer when we'd have the heat wave and, and you'd hear the news, check on your elderly neighbors, see if they're okay. I would do that with her every once in a while during the heat waves. I'd walk over, I'd knock on the door, the front door, and I'd wait and I'd wait. She'd finally get there. Um, and I go, you doing okay? You know, those things like that. I was checking on her during the heat. And one day I went over there in the, in the summer and I knocked on the door. She finally got there. I know why she took so long to get to the front door. You don't use the front door in that house. It's just the way it is, right? Uh, and I go, how are you? And she goes, actually, not too good. I go, why? What, what's up? Do you need something? She goes, actually, um, someone broke into the house the other day. Um, she goes, it was in the middle of the day, like lunchtime. She goes, I left. She goes, same day, every week, at the same time, I leave, go somewhere, have lunch or something like that with some friends or something along those lines. And she goes, somebody broke into my house. They came in through uh, a window. And she goes, someone broke into the house in the middle of the day and stole stuff from me. And she goes, so I'm not doing, doing too well, you know, after that. And so, you know, I talked to her, tried to encourage her, tell her I'd be, you know, looking and, and things along the, those lines. She had things stolen from her, right? Um, when something is not guarded, it ends up stolen. Did you know that? When we don't guard something, we, we don't protect something, it ends up getting stolen. It can happen. It does happen to a lot of people. Now, as we get into the message this morning, I want you to keep that in your mind. Paul has been very upfront with Timothy so far. Very upfront. Very, you would even say bold with Timothy. He's told him, Timothy, you need to fan in the flame the gift that God has given you. And then last week we saw Paul goes, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ and do not be ashamed of me, his prisoner who is in chains. And what Paul is trying to do is encourage Timothy, to strengthen Timothy. But at the same time, have you been able to feel over the last two weeks the urgency, the oomph, if you would, in and behind Paul's words? Hopefully you do because they're there. They're there. Well, as we finish out the chapter 1 this morning, Paul is telling Timothy and you something else. 
And what that is, is that we need to guard something. That you and I, we need to guard something, and here's why. An unguarded deposit is a stolen deposit. Now, you'll understand what the deposit is in a little bit. But I want you to have that thought going through this morning. That an unguarded deposit is a stolen deposit. And hopefully you got that. Uh, because we're, we're going to see this. Because if you don't guard this deposit, you're going to lose out on something. And so I have two points for you just to help you to follow along, right? We have the Guardians, right? Not the, the, the old Cleveland Indians, right? Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you know the Cleveland Indians are no longer the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Guardians, which makes no sense to me. But we have the Guardians, and then we have the blueprint of guarding, all right? And so we'll see it as we go through this morning. So we need to start here. We need to start with the Guardian. It's going to be verse 13, and we'll get there in a second. But we've seen over the first two weeks that Timothy seems to be in an uphill battle, right? Over the last two weeks, we've seen that. Timothy is wading through things in life. Have you ever been there? where you're kind of just like wading through stuff that's taking place in life. Not necessarily anything bad, right? Week one, we saw that Timothy was struggling. Uh, he probably had a lot of personal and professional struggles going on. We talked about how Paul, his father figure, uh, is sitting on death row. Last week, we saw how Timothy, he has the weight of the Jews and the Greeks just on him because of worshiping someone that was crucified on a cross. Because if you remember last week, I told you, the Jews looked at anybody who was hung on a tree, a cross, as cursed by God. And then we saw last week also that the Romans looked at anybody that was hung on a cross as a slave, a foolish slave at that. And so there's a lot going on in the life of Timothy right now. And I said, I think he's just wading through things. And Paul is trying to help him. He's trying to help him wade through what he's going through. And so Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, there's something else you need to do. Not just fan the flame. Don't just not be ashamed. He goes, but you also do this. In verse 13, he says, Timothy, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Now you read that and you go, okay, thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. Here's my question, Paul. What in the world are you talking about? Because notice what Paul says. He goes, what you've heard from me. He doesn't tell Timothy. He doesn't tell us what Timothy heard from him. He goes, what you heard from Timothy, I want you to keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Okay, well, what did we hear from you, Paul? What's the pattern, Paul? Like, what, what are we supposed to do here? Because he doesn't tell us. Well, we'll unpack that. That word keep is really important. You see the word keep there? Some of you, if you have your own Bibles, you may have the word uh, hold fast or restrain. That word keep is really important. Because you need to keep this. When you're trying to keep something, what is taking place? If you're trying to keep it, what's taking place? Someone else or something is take, trying to take it. You with me on that? I'll give you an example, right? When my kids were little, uh, maybe yours did this as well. If I was eating food, right, they would try to steal my food, right? Any parents, anybody else been through that, right? Tom, I knew Tom's hand would go off, all right? He almost fell over. He shot his hand up that fast, right? right? I said, see a hand going, right? right? So my kids try to take my food, right? I have no problem feeding you, right? But, and I'd be trying to keep it away from them. And this was young. I'm going, you need teeth to eat this, right? You have no teeth. I can't give you this food. It's not like ice cream, even though they did try to steal my ice cream, right? They still do, right? 
But like, I'm like, you have no teeth, you can't eat this. And so I'm trying to keep my food so that I can eat it, right? You with me on that? Everybody have that picture. Y'all look a little tired this morning, all right? If I have to energize you, the sermon's going to be a lot longer, okay? So, right, are you all with me, right? When you're trying to keep something, that means someone or something is trying to take it from you. Good? Okay, good. You got to stay with me with this. We got a couple things we have to understand and then put them together. And so, Paul goes to Timothy. Timothy, you need to keep this. Or you could say, hold fast. You need to restrain this. Timothy, don't lose your grip. Okay? Don't lose your grip. Don't lose your grip on this, Timothy. Okay, good. So now if you're being told to keep something, if you're being told to hold fast to something, you're being told to not lose your grip on something, you need to know what that something is. Correct? See, all more than head nodding, right? You want a shorter sermon today. I, I got it, right? You need to know what it is, right? You can't hold on to something so that it's not taken from you if you don't know what it is. And so Paul goes, Timothy, keep what you heard from me as the pattern of sound doctrine. You go, okay, Paul, um, so what did Timothy hear from you? And you could ask that question. And I can ask that question. And you know what the answer is? Oh no. Paul doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us what Timothy heard. Timothy knows, but we don't. And so it could be a lot of different things, but in this context, we know that it is the truth of God and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul goes to Timothy. Timothy, hold on to, restrain, don't lose your grip on, keep the Word of God, the truth of God's Word in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Timothy was, and you are, in a time and a culture where the truth of God's Word is trying to get pulled out of your grip and thrown on the floor and discarded. Did you know that? That's why Paul is telling Timothy, don't lose your grip on the Word of God. Don't lose your grip on the truth of God. Because the culture is trying to pull it away. And same thing for you and I today. I want you to think about this. You and I, we live in a world where truth does not matter. Did you know that? Truth doesn't matter. Do you want to know why? There is no truth anymore. That's what people tell you. That it is only true for you if it's true for you. Well, no, I'm not even going to go off on a whole bunch of different things. I'm just going to try to stay on, on point this morning, right? Then you'd be here for a really long time, right? But we live in a world where truth doesn't matter. Truth can be whatever we want it to be. We even change truth. You know that words are given different definitions now than they used to be to fit what we want them to fit? I'll give you an example. You know the word evolution? The definition of evolution has changed over the years to fit the theory of evolution, not what the word evolution used to mean. The definition, the meaning has been changed. It's been changed. One of the teenagers told me this past Thursday, they're, they're talking about religion in their class, not just Christianity, but about three different religions. And they go, but we can't use the Bible as a, a, a source book. 
I go, so you're going to talk about Christianity, but you can't use the Bible. I go, why is that? I said, well, the Bible's not reliable, is what the teacher said. When you hear that, and it is stated that the Bible is not a reliable source, that is an answer, a comment that is born out of ignorance, where that has not been looked at and investigated. So I went through the teenagers and told them, I gave them, I used Elvis, Sharon, I used Elvis as an example for you, you know, how we, we thought that, all right? You and I, we live in a culture that is always changing. Did you know that? We live in a culture that is always changing what it wants it to be and how we do something. We live in a culture that is trying to pull God's words, God's truth out of life. Do you know that do they, they do not even use B.C. or A.D. anymore when talking about the years? You know that? You get in the scientific community. They use B.C. a little bit, but not A.D. anymore. You know what they use now? Some will use B.C. or B.C.E. Before common era. And then you know what? Instead of A.D., they use C.E., common era. That's what they use now in the scientific community. Before common era, and then common era. So here's my question. What separates the two? Still the birth of Jesus. But you got to get rid of before Christ, and you got to get rid of the year of our Lord. Because we pull that truth out. And it slowly happens. Some of you, I just stumped you because you didn't know they did that. I watch a lot of history shows, archaeologists and stuff like that. That's what they do now. They're slowly pulling God's Word and the truth of God's Word away from us. This is why Paul tells Timothy and you and I to hold on. He'll hold on to the truth of God's Word. Notice how he writes this in verse 14. Paul goes to Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. He's saying the same thing, but in a different way. He goes, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard. Now, we know what the word guard means. It means to protect, to keep from harm or decay. I need to guard my family. I need to guard the church, right? An offensive line needs to guard the quarterback. It's protection. We need to guard the good deposit. Well, what is the good deposit? Once again, Paul doesn't tell Timothy. He doesn't tell us. Timothy knew what Paul meant. But once again, Paul is speaking to the truth of God's word. He's talking about God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need the truth of God in our lives. We need the word of God in our lives. As a person, as a people, as a church. To you, I, you need to get this. If you are a Christian, and you are breathing. Okay? So notice there's no out in that. Ready? I believe Jesus. I love Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. I'm a Christian. And you're breathing. Ready? You are a guardian of God's word and his truth. You are to protect it. You're to hold on to it. You're to cling to it. You. Not just a pastor, but it's you. We need to keep God's word, the truth of God's word, in a culture that is not doing so. 
We need to have a love for God's word in this culture that despises it. We need to be in God's word, know his word. Notice I'm saying know his word. We are a people, and and I say that as a general statement, as a people. We live and act and respond based on emotion, not by truth. Did you know that? A lot of people base everything they do on emotion and not by truth. Why do you let your emotions guide you and not truth? See, your emotions have you so tied up at times, you don't even know if you want pizza or the salad. Let's be honest, some of you have been there. I want to eat better, I'm going to have the salad. But I really want the pizza, what am I going to do? And your emotions are so tied up, you don't know what one to even eat. Always go with the pizza, right? But your emotions are always tied up. So if your emotions are so tied up going pizza or salad, why why have your emotions guide you and direct you in even the deepest, most important decisions of your entire life? But we as a people, generally speaking, do that. Paul is telling us, because you need to guard the truth of God's word. Get this, God has entrusted it to you. Notice what he says, he says, guard the good deposit. Good deposit there is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, guard the word of God that was entrusted to you. You see the word entrusted? Have you ever had anything entrusted to you? Maybe from uh, uh, somebody in your family that passed on. Right? What do you do with that? There's a seriousness in that. When something's entrusted to you, like, I have to take care of this. Right? I have my grandparents' uh, a, a kitchen table and their four chairs. Right? They have four chairs around our kitchen table, and I have their kitchen table in my dining room where puzzles get built. Right, And so I'm like, these things are falling apart, and I feel guilty because they're falling apart because they're my grandparents from like 1948. And I'm like, these are mine. I got like, there's a, there's a seriousness to when something is entrusted to you. How much more when God has entrusted to you and I his word? His word. There's some weight in that. There's a seriousness in that. Because God goes to you, here's my word. This is my truth. This is what I want you to know. This is what I have done. I am giving it to you to keep, to hold on to, to use, not to let go. Are you guarding it? Are you keeping it? Are you holding tight to the truth of God's word? Or are you slowly allowing the world to pull it out of your grips? Now I hear you. Well, what's the big deal? Does it really matter if I lose a little bit of a grip on God's word? Does it really, really matter? Well, let's go back to verse 13 and find out. Paul says this, What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Do you see that word sound? The Greek word that is used there for sound is the Greek word that we get our English word hygiene. 
hygienic, hygiene, clean, right? You want things hygienic and clean, right? And so what that word means there, it means good, it means clean, sound, it means healthy. It means healthy. God's word, his truth gives us good words, words that are life-giving and good for us. What to do, right? As a parent, I give good words to my kids, the words of life that are spoken. Do this, do it in this way. You're doing good and give encouragement and strength when needed. But you know what? Healthy words are sometimes words that tell us what not to do. You get that? Sometimes healthy words tell us what not to do. And this is why we allow God's word to get pulled from us. Because we don't want anybody telling us what we shouldn't be doing. We talked about that a little bit this past Thursday. In John chapter 3, that men love darkness. We love our sin so much that we, won't, we don't want to give up our sin. And so we don't want anybody telling us that we can't do something. And guess what God does? He tells us you can't do things. That you shouldn't be doing things. But you know what? Those commands, those words for us not to do something, those are good words. They're healthy words. If you've ever been a parent, you ever have to tell your kid not to put the knife in the light socket? Those are good, healthy words, are they not? Don't do that, but we just told them not to do something. But they're good, healthy words for them. God's word is the same way. And so Paul tells us, hey, keep hold to, hold on to, guard the sound, life-giving words that God has entrusted to you. And use them as the pattern, Paul says. Pattern is big here. What does that word pattern mean? It means outline. It means prototype. This word is the importance behind why we need to guard God's word and his truth. That word pattern speaks to this. I'm going to give you an example, okay? So you all win the Powerball, right? Hopefully you don't play in it. I don't play it. That's why I've never won it, right? But for this sake... You all, win the, you all win the Powerball, right? And so you're going to build, you bought yourself 50 acres of land, which would be fantastic. If you have 50 acres of land that is wooded and you don't know what to do with it and you want to give it away, I'm, I'm right here, right? But you got 50 acres of land and you're going to build yourself a brand new home from the ground up, right? You with me? What's the first thing you need to do, right? Tom, don't get into the permits and everything like that. We're past the permit area, Tom, right? You're going to dig a hole to pour the foundation, right? Are you with me on that, right? Because is the foundation important to a building? Everybody go like this, right? You're starting to nod off on me, okay? We're getting there, right? Foundation is important. If you don't think the foundation is important, look at the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That leans because the foundation is horrible, all right? So imagine you're on site and you're talking to the contractor one day and they just poured the concrete walls for the foundation of your house and the contractor stands there and he looks down the wall and he goes, it looks level and straight, let's move on. Are you going to be okay with him doing that? Hopefully you say no, right? Because my question would be, are you going to use a plumb line? A plumb line is something that gives you a straight line down. Are you going to use a level? to make sure the walls are level and straight? Because if the walls aren't level and straight, everything you build on top of that is going to be garbage. Are you with me on that? The word pattern here that Paul uses 
it speaks to that baseline. It speaks to that model. It speaks to that, that plumb line, that thing that you need to go off of so everything else is right and correct. Are you with me on that? Here's why it's important. When you don't use the pattern that God has given you, what you build is a mess. When we don't use the pattern of God's Word to build off of, to hold things to and go, is this right or true? What does the Bible say about it? We're doing everything by the look of our eye, by our emotions, and it's not based off of the truth of God's Word. Well, guess what happens? Everything goes crazy. Why is our world the way that it is? I'll give you one answer, and it's a broad answer. We don't use the truth of God's Word as the pattern to build anything off of anymore. You see that? Paul goes, use God's Word as the pattern, the baseline, the measuring line. You know, hold everything up to God's Word to see if it's right and true. And everything in our world, from government to finances to social things to everything, it's no longer built on top of or held in light of the pattern. And because it's not up to the pattern, everything going crazy. Why? Because everybody goes, Truth doesn't matter. I'll let my emotions guide me. And God's word over here is going, no, it's all wrong. And we're going, who cares what God's word says? I'm going to do what I want. Everything looks straight and right to me. And then we build our lives. We build our families. We build companies. We build cities. We build nations. We build political systems and work systems all off of how we feel and what we think is right. And then when everything implodes, we go, huh, why'd that happen? Paul goes, because you didn't hold it to the pattern. And the pattern is God's Word. Because it's God's Word. That's why it's so important. What has happened is this, and is what Paul warned us of. Colossians chapter 2, verses 8. Paul says this, he says, See too that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And guess what has happened? We've been taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies that are based on human tradition instead of God's word and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We have thrown the pattern away. We've thrown the baseline away. We no longer use the measuring line. We've thrown it all away. And we go off of emotion and what we think is right. And because of that, everything's a mess. Because we let go of the truth of God's Word. We have to <clears throat> get back to keeping and guarding the truth of God's Word that He has entrusted to us. But how do we do that? Well, blueprint on guarding. How do we do this? So what we've seen, get this big picture. Paul has called you to do something, and what that is is to guard what God has entrusted to you. That you are to guard the Word of God in your life. So we have that. 
we have the importance of guarding it. Because if we don't guard it, then we lose the pattern and everything goes crazy. So we have what we're supposed to do. We have why it's important. The next question is, how do we do it? Well, how are we to do it? How are we to guard something if we don't know what it is or, or how to do it? Well, in order for you and I to guard the truth of God's Word, you need to know it. I know. Rocket science, right? For you to guard God's Word, truth of God's Word, you need to know it. I have to know it. We all do. This is why you don't get surface-level 10-minute sermons from me. You need to know God's Word. Do you know this book? Just asking. Do you read this book? Do you study this book? Not just on Sunday. Because this book, God's Word, He has entrusted to you for you to read and learn and study and to apply it to your lives. This book tells you who God is. It tells you who you are in God. It tells you of sin. It tells you your need for a Savior. It tells you what Jesus has done in your place for you. It tells you what's going to happen next. It tells you how to live your life so that you don't wake up going one day, what happened to my life? Oh, you remember the pastor told me I ran away from the pattern. Maybe that's what happened to my life. Do you know this? Is there a book of this Bible you have not read before? Might be time for you to read that book. Is there a book of this Bible you've not walked through yet? Maybe it's time to walk through it and study it. Do you know the Scriptures more now than you did a year ago? Do you know it? The blueprint of guarding the truth of God's Word starts with you knowing it. You know why that's important? You know what Satan did to Eve? He came up to Eve and he pretty much said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He goes, did God really say that? And Eve's like, Huh. Guess what our culture does today? It's the same thing. Did God really say that? Did God really say that about creation and about marriage? And did God really say that about finances? Like, huh, I don't know. And guess what? We've just given Satan a foothold into our lives. But there's a second step. Paul tells us to keep as the pattern of sound teaching. And that we are to keep something. To keep something implies an action. So in order for you and I to guard the truth of God's word, we have to apply it in and to our lives. Not just Sunday morning, but the way you manage your employees. The way you run your business. The way you work for your employer. The way you interact with your spouse and your kids. The way you keep your schedule the way you handle your finances, and on and on and on and on the list can go. This is why James tells us not just to be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Because to guard God's Word, to keep God's Word, means we need to know it and apply it to our lives. But we also guard the Word by not just knowing it and applying it. We do it with faith. Paul tells us in verse 13, goes, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. 
To guard the word of God means you have to do it in faith. What does that mean? It means this. I promise you, there will be things in God's word that you do not understand. Promise you that. You want to know how I know that? Because no human being has a full, right, complete understanding of everything in the scripture. You want to know why? Because God is greater than you, greater than me. For example, this past Thursday, the Trinity came up in youth group, right? Guess what? I know the Trinity, but I don't know the Trinity, right? There's a degree where you can understand one God expressed in three distinct persons, and at the other hand, you go, I am completely and totally lost on that, right? You can know it and still not know it, right? Fully don't understand. There's going to be things that come in life with God's word where you go, I don't know. I don't know. And you have to have faith in God where you stand back and science is throwing all this stuff at you for creation and dinosaurs and the Big Bang Theory and you have philosophers asking these questions, sociology is asking these questions and we stand back and go, it all sounds right. It all seems right. I don't know. And this is where you go God and you go, God, I don't know how this two plus this two equals this four. I don't understand it. I don't know it, but I know you're real. And I trust you, and I'm going to have faith in you and in your word, even though I don't fully understand it. To guard God's word means you have to have faith in the Lord because there's going to be things you don't understand. But Paul also tells us in that faith, because you have to keep this as the pattern in faith and in love. To guard God's word means you do it in love. You do it in love. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that without love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. See, when you try to keep the truth of God's word without love, we turn into Pharisees. We turn into people that are just trying to prove that we are right and that others are wrong. And there's no love or grace in that. There's no room for growth or repentance that we need to care and love for others in and through all of this. And as we do this, we're keeping the truth of God as the pattern of our lives. But Paul's not done yet, though. He goes this in verse 14b. He goes, guard it, that's the word of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guarding the truth of God sounds hard. And you know what it is. To a degree it is. It's like playing tug-of-war with an elephant at some time. You just don't think you can win. It seems that the world is just winning and winning and winning. And it's pulling on the truth of God's word. And we're losing our grip of the truth of God's word. And then we end up stop using the pattern of God's word as a pattern of our lives. Here's the thing, though. You're not alone in this calling. God has called you to be a guardian of his word. You're not alone in this. God is not asking you to do this by yourself. Yes, we have the church family to come alongside of us and help us. But Paul goes, I'm not even talking about the church family. I go, God, there's the Holy Spirit. He goes, do this. Guard the word of God in your life. Keep a hold of it by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. What does that mean? Who's the Holy Spirit? God. Where is he living? In you. 
If you're a Christian, God lives in you. God the Holy Spirit is living in you if you are a Christian. And Paul goes, you don't have to do this alone. God's within you. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. And through the scriptures, I'm just going to lay this at your feet really quickly. A couple things for you to be reminded of. The Holy Spirit reminds you of what the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit brings to mind things that, that you've been taught. When you need scripture, guess what the Holy Spirit does? Oh, you remember like six years ago, Pastor James bored you, but there's one thing you held on to from the whole message, and it's this verse. It just comes to mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us of the things that we have been taught. You know what else the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit gives us the words to say when it is time. That when you're in a position and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to say, you utter a prayer under your breath to the Lord. The Lord, I need your help. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He gives you words. There have been times where I've been in hospital settings and, and, and difficult situations. I don't know what to say. You all know I'm not very eloquent with my words. If, like, if that's a surprise to you, like, you, you haven't been paying attention, right? You pray, and then you say something, and then like 20 minutes later, like, Lord, where, where did that come from? He goes, from me, right? He gives you the words to say. You're not in this alone. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. The Holy Spirit who lives in you is guiding you to direct you and helping you to guard and to keep the Word of God. The Holy Spirit empowers you. And then the Holy Spirit is this. I haven't said this word in a while. It's Greek, so I may be pronouncing it. The Holy Spirit is the protokletos. John chapter 14. It gets translated as helper, comforter. But the Greek word protokletos means helper. And it means any area of your life that you need help, the Holy Spirit can help you. And he does. So Paul calls us to guard the Word of God. He tells us why it's important. So that we can keep the pattern so things don't go crazy. And then he tells us how to do it. Know the Word. Apply the Word. Do it in faith and love and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are you? Are we keeping the truth of God's word as the pattern of sound teaching? Are we guarding it, protecting it, in a world that is trying to get rid of it? Because here's what happened. I didn't get to verses 15 to 18 yet. You have another 45 minutes, right? Kidding! Kidding! Here's what happens when we don't. Verse 15. Paul says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia, which is pretty much modern-day Turkey, has deserted me. What does that mean? They left Paul. Because you know, Paul, when he was in the region of Asia, hundreds of people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through the ministry of Paul. Because they all left me, including Phlegius and Hermogenes. I pronounced those wrong, I don't care. Okay? They left them. Well, who are those two guys? We're not quite sure, but most likely they were probably in the church. And because Paul names them by name, 
there's a good chance that they are in a leadership serving in the church. Paul's sitting on death row and he goes, everybody deserted me. Everybody deserted me. And these two guys that were prominent in the church, they left me. Can I tell you how painful that is? To pour yourself into somebody and then they just leave? Or get into a false theology? Can I tell you how painful that is? It's very painful. But you know what happened? These two men, they didn't cling to the word that God entrusted to them. They didn't guard it. They lost the pattern. They walked away from Jesus. They walked away from the church. What happens when we don't guard the word of God? We end up drifting away and falling away. But, verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Paul's in a Roman jail. There's a lot of them. Onesiphorus, he didn't know where Paul was. He came to Rome, maybe on business or maybe just to meet with Paul. And he actually refreshed Paul, meaning he would sit with Paul in that dungeon. He would bring food for Paul. He would bring clothes to Paul if he needed it. He was there to help Paul in any way that he possibly can, sitting in that dark, stinky, smelly dungeon. He came to do that. And so Paul goes, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy. That word mercy can be the word reward from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Paul goes, he helped me in Ephesus. Now he's helping me in Rome. You notice the difference between Onesiphorus and the other guys in verse 15? Verse 15, they all leave Paul. They leave the church. They turn their back. Onesiphorus, I'm going to Rome. I'm not guilty of anything, but I'm going to sit in jail and help Paul. Why? He's a brother in Christ. And that's what God calls me to do. We will never perfectly guard the word of God on this side of heaven. And thankfully, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's grace and forgiveness in that, for that. But God has called you and I to guard that which God has entrusted to us, which is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to use it as the pattern in this life so that it would shine through us into the lives of others and God would be glorified and his kingdom be built. So here's my question. Are you guarding it? Would you be one of the people in verse 15? Or are you Onephesus in verse 16? Who are we as a church? We have to make sure we don't let the deposit that God has entrusted to us be stolen by a world that wants nothing to do with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Father, I thank you for the word that you have entrusted to all of us. I pray that you'd help us to cling to it, that we would hold on to it, that we would guard it in a world that is trying to pull it away. I pray that you would strengthen us, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would show to us where in our lives we're losing our grip on the word. And I pray that you would give us a stronger grip to guard it so that you would be glorified in and through all of it. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.